For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. Friends and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. I am Nick, and our guest today is an Audible Hall of Fame narrator. He's won a plethora of awards for all of his works. He's also an author himself. Please welcome the legend known as Luke Daniels. Welcome, Luke. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. I'm doing very well. We had snow in Michigan in April, so that always is a boost to your morale, let me tell you. <laughs> is, isn't there always one more snow in the upper Midwest? My, it's like always one more. Always one more. Uh, it, it, my birthday's April 14th, and usually snow, that usually one more is around this time of year. So uh, always, always, just when you think it's uh, it's done, it's not. It comes back for you. But other than that, really good and glad to be here and talk about uh, cool stuff. It's a birthday gift, right? The snow is a birthday gift? Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those steaming ba bags of poop on your doorstep gift. Yeah, yeah. So it's Just a, don't it's go and stop it out. Gift. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's all good. It'll go away and we'll, we're almost there. We've got the shoots coming up and uh, summertime here in Michigan is actually really nice. So that's, right. that's why we stay. There, so usually on the show, we start off by kind of getting like getting to know you before you became where you are now uh but this is the, for you it's kind of like a two-fold thing because i could talk about that but a lot of that is also in your book unspoken and so i thought well maybe we should just start off and just knock this one right out of the park because that's a really i listened to that book and it was really like laughing crying like every emotion it ran the gamut and it was such an amazing heartfelt story uh about yourself and finn how was that you. for you? I mean, I know now it's, 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 it was a lift off your chest. You've talked about it before. Um, mm -hmm. But how was it going through like the writing process to coming through that? Like, were you going to some of the other authors to try and help you put that together? Did you just do it all on your own? How did the, how did that come about? Um, I lucked out in a, a lot of ways. I really wanted to tell his story. He's a uh, Finn. <clears throat> Finn was my uh, son that passed away from uh, medical issues at a very young age. And we had a, a long, you know, the 21 months that he, he lived was kind of a, a surreal, uh, horrible, awful experience. And uh, I needed a way to, one, sort through it myself. But uh, once I'd gotten a few years of, of perspective, try to at least share his story because he didn't get a chance to uh, have it told. And so that was really lucky that I was able to partner with Audible. And they do uh, the Audible Originals program where they are able to provide uh, to subscribers, uh, books and articles and things like that, that you don't have to pay for. Right. So I thought that was kind of cool because, uh, I could make the story and be available to a wide uh, number of listeners. Uh, 
And so we partnered with them and they were very great in hooking me up with an editor team, uh, editorial team, and uh, in particular, uh, one editor I worked very closely with. Uh, so I would write and, um, and then once I got most of the parts and what I wanted, uh, she was very helpful in um, editing, cutting, condensing, saying, you know, what's this or can we lose that? So she was like, I was so happy to have somebody like that, really fortunate and just spot on with the, what, what was good and what was working. And then a lot of it was just the idea of how do I tell um, one of the most depressing stories in the world in a way that someone will actually want to listen to it. Right. Um, how can I kind of talk about grief in a way that people can take it in, but they're not getting beat over the head with it. So I thought to do that, mixing in some of the past life stuff, because uh, I always say in the book, there was before Finn, during Finn, and then after Finn, those are yeah. three very distinct periods of my life. Um, so I thought bringing some of the more, uh, not benign, but somewhat uh, less intense, um, fun familial stories to also demonstrate how I was unprepared to really deal with that kind of grief and how, uh, you know, my personal um, take on grief was everybody's different. They, they right. go through it their own way. Uh, so it was a whole experience was a, a couple years process before finally getting it out. And uh, I just couldn't be more pleased and happy that uh, people got to listen to it and responded well. And it's such a kind of, pure piece of work and that it, it doesn't have any aspirations or aims or series or that kind of thing. It's just telling these stories, but also trying to make it okay for other people to, to say it. And that's been the best result was a lot of the responses, people share their own uh, a story uh, in a response and it, it kind of starts the dialogue and allows people a space to talk about things that they maybe want to talk about, but don't know how to. So yeah, it was it was incredible. I was very fortunate to get to do it. It's definitely um, very moving and inspiring. I think for anybody anybody who listens to it, uh, they get to get a feel because there's more to just the story. Because when you listen listen to it, like you're narrating your own story that is your own, you know, I don't want to say tragedy, but your own emotion. So it's you, you know, yeah. hearing it, we can hear your personal interest in the story when you're reading it. And I think that, you know, it's different if somebody else read your story, but for right. you to read it yourself, that puts a whole new like feeling on it for us as listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, I found it to be kind of a fine line so that it wasn't a purely excuse the term masturbatory exercise and and so meta that it's uh you know not really accessible right. to still tell it you know i think i talk in the book about who am i to get this chance why you know those kind of questions yeah. come up but you you push through them and just do tell the story and and uh yeah it uh it came out in a lot of unexpected ways too i think uh, i wrote it and had an idea of the timeline of his life but then how to intersperse that with the other parts of after and before um, and what ones were most appropriate to reflect what was going on in the main part of the story, which was his struggle. Yeah. Well, we get an idea, I think, of who you are, because, I mean, there's no, we don't get the story if you're not part of it. So getting your yeah. background and where you came up and how you were raised and, you know, some of the little quips about you as a person, I think, feed into um, the story itself as well. So I think that was really, 
really well. Yeah, I'm sure I'll go back and listen in like 10 years and be like, why did I, did I have to tell them that? Like, <laughs> well, don't get rid, uh, don't so, get rid of the part about the yeah, food on the table, the hidden, the yeah, hidden food. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a classic story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're hot dogs. It happened exactly like that. Who put hot dogs down the table? What? It was <laughs> just. So, so yeah, I was a little bit of a, um, a scamp. <laughs> <laughs> How was it going and doing, doing audio for your own book and in comparison, cause you had done so many others before you had done this, was it a little bit different because it was your book or was, or was it, you know, did you have, you know, somebody's producing you and saying, oh, you should maybe say something like this, or is it completely like, this is my book. I'm going to say how I, I want to say it. That was freeing in that I could cut lines or add lines if I wanted to. So mm -hmm. that was really nice. Um, I found by the time we actually got it done, it was pretty much as I wasn't doing any real cutting on the fly. Uh, it was pretty much as we had it. Um, but a funny story, I've told this before in another podcast, so I apologize to the fans that have heard it. Um, That's all right. But uh, when I narrated it first, I narrated, I always narrate here at home and, uh, uh, and you self-direct. And so I did that and Audible came back and they're like, we love it. It is so good. Do you think you could record it one more time, but with a director? And at first, of course, as an ego-driven person, I was like, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't need to do it. It's my story. You know? And then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, why not? Like they're offering to, <clears throat> and I worked uh, with directors that's how I got my start. So I right. realized how, how valuable they are. And I was like, they're offering and maybe they're, so I think um, basically what I think they had heard was it's, it was still sounding a little narrate-ish, narrator-ish and not so Luke talking. And that was the big struggle that I had the whole time with that. Um, I always find narrating a, an audiobook that has a first person point of view is somewhat easier because I'm the character. So I'm less over analytical. Yeah. But when there's no character there and it's just me, I think it was uh, maybe a little wooden or just a little not not quite there yet. And I worked with a wonderful director and we re-recorded the whole thing and it was much better. Uh, uh, even from my point of view, I, I, I liked the flow and the naturalness. I had somebody in my ear the whole time, so I was actually talking to someone. So I think that actually worked out well, but it was definitely uh, another moment of... Uh, of like, oh shit, just got to grin and bear it and, and, and suck it up and, and do better. Um, so yeah, that, that was definitely the, the, the hardest book I've had to narrate by, by far. Um, as far as just like the, getting my mind around it and trying not to like intimate stuff as much with my voice, like I might in a, in a fantasy novel or something like that. Right. When you're going through making, doing audio books, <clears throat> cause obviously like you said, when you started off, you were working with, you know, producers and, and directors and all that kind of stuff. Has that changed now that you've, you know, you're primarily, obviously you still go into the studio once in a while, I heard you mentioned in another show. Um, yeah. Are you still going through that process or is it a lot more just you because they trust yeah. you with what you're doing? Um, I think there's part of it that's trust, but the industry as a whole has shifted away from, uh, is as little amount of hands on the product as possible for cost. So um, cutting out directors. So we used to have, 
I worked, grew up in a studio system and started my, you know, in, in a studio system. So there was a director, there was a casting director, there were producers, then there was a director, there was an engineer that was just running Pro Tools in the program, and then there was the voice talent. So you had all these people, and then there was uh, post production, and they would run it through uh, someone who's listening just for mistakes. Okay. So it was a whole kind of thing, and it was great starting out because the directors were oftentimes narrators themselves. Uh, vice versa. So I learned like so much by being able to work with people who already had years of experience. So for me, that was really valuable. But the shift as a whole, once things kind of blew up with audiobooks, I'd say about 10 years ago, things really like upticked um, with Audible and phones and people listening more. And um, the kind of industry uh, business model changed and they pulled a lot of that stuff out and everybody was doing it from home. So I built the studio from home and you just kind of learn to do the program and be a technician and engineer as well. And then um, I still don't do any posts. I send all my stuff out to companies and people that know what they're doing. Yeah. And I barely can run the program. I can do a great <laughs> job, but at least once a month, I'm calling my engineer uh, partner and being like, Hey, why is this doing this? Um, so you kind of learn to do all of that, but it sometimes can make the process one longer, but also things get missed or don't have as many, you know, influences and people kind of throwing things in there. So it's very much different now across the board. I'd say a lot of them. Now the big books, the books like Obama's book or Oprah Winfrey, they're going to have an engineer. They're going to have a director. They're going to have a researcher that does all the prep ahead of time on words and names and stuff like that. Those do it. But for most books, uh, 90% of them, it's going to be uh, a producer hiring somebody like me to do it all. Right. Do you ever have contact? Uh, I, I mean, I let me, let me phrase this a little bit better. How often do you have contact uh, with the author? And did, was that something that changed throughout the course of your career where at the beginning it was like no contact with them? And now it's like, hey, how do you pronounce this word? How, how is this supposed to be? It's I don't see a a list that's yeah that's exactly that's exactly the the way it was when i first started out they didn't want us to contact the authors also social media wasn't as big of a thing so we had less access to the authors unless someone was giving us a email address there was really no way to get in contact with an author um and they didn't provide those there were time it was always a go-between you'd ask the casting person so is crawl pronounced crawl or is it crawl and then they go to the author and then they get back to you um, that is shifted uh, majorly. Still, uh, production houses like Penguin Random House Audio, big production houses, uh, um, uh, they have some more of that go-between. They want to be kept in the loop. Um, but for a lot of companies like Podium that I've worked with for years and years and years, they know now and they get uh, most authors are asked for a list ahead of time of their characters uh, any preferences they have, like, please make this person Texan or that kind of thing. The, they get that ahead of time, which okay. is super helpful. And then as I've worked so much as serials that I've worked with the same author for, you know, a lot of them for a, a decade. So we establish uh, relationships. Few, I, I've met some, some I've not met in person, but we are able to text or Facebook message or do quick things. Like if I'm in the booth and a lot of times I'm hitting up Richard Fox, who does, you know, these series, uh, military series, uh, 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 who's captain Avery was, was captain Avery in one of the books. And he'll write back, Oh yeah. Book two of series three and the da da da. So I can go back and listen to captain freaking Avery. Right. Um, so, so that's very helpful. 
Um, and then with the advent of social media, there's a lot more partnering with authors where we're announcing things, they're announcing things, we're trying to do readings, live readings with them. Authors are a little more involved, uh, involved in the actual process. And then I also work for the big publishers, but I also do self-publishing. Right. Uh, so then, then I'm even more involved with the author uh, as the person that's kind of uh, producing the project. When I've seen some of your stuff where you're working with them, or, or and I think it's really fun for the viewers to kind of get a peek behind the curtain. Like we have our favorite story and then here we get to see you, you know, read a section in your studio of, you know, a Kevin Hearn book or a Justin Leslie book. And we get to see you kind of reading that. And it's always this neat little peek behind the book, but it also helps promote the book. Uh, I, I, because I personally, I didn't even know about Max Abaddon until I saw you post, uh, a clip right. of it and I, you reading a thing is like, you know, that sounds like a really good book. We're going to have to listen mm -hmm. to that book and tell me we're going to, we're getting this audio book. We're going to listen to it on our next trip or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think the, the advent of, of social media for all the horrible, horrible, horrible things that it does. Right. Uh, the good thing in, in my business is that it forms this really nice triangle between the author, creative head, uh, the narrator, because a lot of people listen in that way, and then the fans or the listeners or the readers. And so there's just a way that kind of it makes it more inclusive. I think people feel like a little more of um, it's kind of a cool part of, like you said, uh, to see behind the curtain a little bit. And uh, it's, it works out good for everybody. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a mutually beneficial thing. Fans enjoy it. We get like it because it's promoting it um, and fun. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I think it's a really good way to do it. When you're doing these books, how do you, because there's so many accents and we had, I don't, I don't know if you listen to other audiobooks or listen to other people's work or even, you know, read other books if you have time for that. Um, we had one known as Jarrett LeMaster came on and he was like, looks like the king of these accents. Like how the heck, you know, how do you oh, well, separate, nice. how do you separate some of these accents? Like you get some of these books where it's like, I'm going to throw in three different regional scottish accents and let luke figure it out obviously it's it's a silly thing but at the same yeah. time like how do you separate do you have a source that you have to go to do you like call up scotland and say hey i need somebody from this area to talk to you so i can get their accent down like how do you do that it's funny you mentioned scotland i have uh, a guy who who wrote me and he's like hey mate uh, you're scottish is a wee off yeah you know you he like wrote this whole thing about how bad my Scottish was, was, and I wrote back and I was like, I appreciate it. And he gave me like all these incredible tips Okay, and it was really helpful and, and friendly and nice and, and fun. But, but so I think I bring it up cause it's always an evolving process. Yeah. So, uh, I, some accents I find, uh, I can do a little more naturally. They come to me a little more naturally. Some accents I have like the hardest time with and I have to work on them a little more. And so then sometimes I'll pepper them into a script just to get a little more practice on it. If it fits, not just to yeah. do it, but because, uh, you know, we got to press the envelope a little bit. So the only way I'm going to get better is to do it. Um, uh, I listen a lot. I've always been a, a listener. So, um, uh, TV radio, I'm constantly kind of repeating what I hear or mumbling. It makes me like a crazy person and incredibly unpleasant to sit next to watching something. Uh, but I'm always, uh, parroting what I hear to try to, how does that how are they forming those sounds and uh, picking up on them like what's this person why do they talk like that what did, oh they're real in the front of the mouth uh, and then the other big huge part of it for me is the physicality of where 
the mouth structure is. So okay. if he's a fat guy, is he really back in his throat? So I know anytime I come up to this guy, is he a real kind of back here? I'm swallowing almost. Mm-hmm. Is it? And then it's a shift if there's someone really tight and in the front there, very much like that. So I'm trying to create little physical things that can become a little coat hanger to pull back on that guy. Oh, here comes the gruff. Uh, captain, he always sounds like he's got something stuck in the back of his throat and he's got something, he can't move his jaw very big. He's like a pit bull. So those kind of physical things help me. It's like muscle memory at this point. If you ride a bike or do you do different katas and learn things like that, your body starts to naturally go there. And so I think some of that is that. And then um, I've always had kind of an affinity for the going back and forth. There's nothing better when I'm caught up in it and I can go through like a whole chapter of people talking back and forth and never make a mistake. I actually make less mistakes doing that than I do just a straight narration. That part is the hard part for me. And it's part of the part I always have to work on. I find, you know, again, sounding too narrate or it's real easy to kind of phase out a little bit and not right. be specific with what you're saying. Um, but the character stuff has always just clicked. Um, and I was very lucky. I grew up in a theater environment watching all this stuff exposed to so much really good theater at a young age and great character actors. And then I went to school and got my master's degree and we had, you know, three years of intensive training in dialect, in vocal work, in speech, in uh, that. So again, I was really lucky to have that basis to, to draw on later on when they're like, and he's from Wales. And I'm like, ah, they just sound like Irish people, right? right. And then you right. listen to it and you're like, no, they don't sound Irish. They actually sound more like Italian or something. It's very strange. Uh, so yeah, there's tricky ones, but I, I like it. I'm, I geek out on that stuff. So I think it was meant to be in a way. Was it hard for you when you first got started? Because there's this standing thing. A lot of people, they always say, I hate listening to my own voice because what they hear when they speak isn't what they hear when it's played back to them. So is yeah. that, was that an issue for you starting off going, okay, well, I think I sound like this, but when you hear it back, it doesn't necessarily sound like that. Did you ever have any issues with that? Yeah, I think that's what I'm talking about when I'm listening to my straight narration and going, ah, you sound a little stiff or you're putting the emphasis a little weird. Why are you saying it that way? Those I'm more critical. But then I was bolstered when I'd listen to character stuff and I go, huh, that's actually kind of good. I like that. So that would help me. Uh, uh, to know, oh, okay, I'm kind of good at that. So um, how do I develop that at the same time? Not like, you know, you got to do leg day also. Uh, so the, the narration is leg day. You've got to actually follow through and be good at that. A third person narration, especially, um, and making it engaging and not just words, a list of words, you know. Yeah. You're known for all kinds of books. There's, there's obviously we've mentioned the Kevin Hearn series, Iron Druid. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure you're sick of, maybe not sick about talking, but I'm sure that's brought up by everybody. Uh, So I'm going to follow suit and I'm going to ask you an Iron Druid question. Please do. (laughs) And and my question is this, and maybe you're aware of it, maybe you're not. I'm I'm, I'm hoping you're aware of this, that almost everybody who listens to any of those books, they live their life now using the Oberon voice for their dog, for their friend's dog, for anybody's dog they ever come across. Mm-hmm. How is that to know that like when, when people talk to their dogs, they use your voice and it's kind of just a standard for a lot of people. And some people don't even know it came from you. Yeah. It's pretty much the coolest, the coolest thing in the world. Uh, I grew up 
with dogs. We loved dogs. We were a dog family. And everyone in my family did dog voices. Like that was just, it's one of those things where you grow up with something. You don't think that that's, you think everyone does that. Right. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people do yeah. have dogs, but for my, and everybody I always knew, even from an early age, everyone had a different voice for the dog. My dad would do the dog a different way than my brother would do the dog, which was a different way than I would do the dog. And so that always interests me too, that everyone's internal voice was a little bit different. And so with someone big like Oberon, uh, if, a lot of people like it, then it feels really good because he was such a like kind of heart of backbone and heart of the series. And if he was not liked, it would, it would really have hamstrung uh, that series. And, and there are definitely people, I've had people come up to uh, signings. This one guy and he's just staring at me and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? And he's like, I just want you to know, I really don't like your voice for Oberon. I was like, (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Yeah, they think it's kind of too Scooby Doo, but yeah. He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And he's like, can you sign this? And I was like, <laughs> <"All right, sure."> well, <laughs> sure, dude. To me, it's 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 amazing and a, and a lot of fun. And our a lot of our listeners agree. Uh, I know we have a couple hardcore fans that are in our chat right now that are asking a bunch of questions. Should we have but... a, a Should we have Oberon say hi? Sure. To the fans. Sure. All right. So what is Twitch? Because I do it when I'm on the ground and a bug lands on me, I Twitch. Is that what it, does everybody just go and you're just like, I don't understand what it is. Like, is it that they're hungry and they need sausage? So they're just like Twitch. Is it like a bunch of people who used to do meth? I know that's tweakers. I don't know Twitch. Oh well, that 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 um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oberon doesn't get Twitch. Yeah, he's the one I get most often. People are real sweet, and they'll say, "My boyfriend and I are getting married, and it's his birthday, and I want to surprise him, so we'll do a little uh, uh, sound recording and send it off of uh, of that." So uh, he's he's very popular and near and dear to my heart. Although we have a small Shih Tzu, and his voice is a little bit similar, and I I'm always castigating myself like. You can't make him Oberon. Like it's not, it's not the same. Like that's cheap. Are you cheating? Like anyone knew that you're you're cheating and using a voice for your but it, it does seem to fit him. It's just not as deep because he's little. So he's a little more like this and kind of like up in here, all crazy. Right. But it's the same, same <laughs> idea. Kind of like a uh, yeah. Boston Terrier, I'm uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Food. Yeah, <laughs> Starbucks. Food. Squirrel. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's other ones too. So I love it. Thank you. How for do you how that do you enjoy doing the evolution? Because we were talking earlier about series. You you know the Kevin Hart yeah. series. You've got the Max Abaddon series. You've got the Hunter Blaine's Preternatural Chronicles. Uh, yeah, all of them. The characters evolve. Is it your decision to evolve their voices a little bit as well? Or is it something where they're like, hey, they've kind of changed a little bit. Uh, and can you make that reflect? How does that come about? I think that's a really good question. And I think both are true. So there's definitely been times where I've done books and the voices evolved because as the series goes on, it may be 10 years. So my voice may be a little different. Also, I may subtly shift it if I don't like, if I listen back and I'm like, uh, like I was very aware with Oberon that don't go too far. Right. So right. I can remember series going in and being like, pull, pull back a little bit. I might've gone a little too far on that last one, or just kind of trying to find that sweet spot without, uh, cause part of the tendency is to always push harder and try harder. 
and make it funny again. And that's usually when it falls flat. When you're surprised or something happens naturally, then it's going to, it's going to sound well. Um, and then the other, there is progression. Like for instance, I just started uh, a new series for JN Cheney called Uplink Squadron. It's about awesome fighter pilots in space. Don't have to say anything more. And um, uh, the guy started out and I put him in kind of a deeper open kind of register. Um, and I, I thought to myself, well, he's kind of a noob at the beginning of the book. And I know he's going to develop into the main character and kind of the badass fighter pilot, but he's, he's a rookie at the beginning. Right. So with that same idea of kind of having it open and deeper, it was a little more kind of goofy and dumb, but then by the end of the book, he can be tough and have these things where he's like, come on guys. Da, 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 da. So we could evolve to that. So at the beginning, he wasn't that I'm hard as nails kind of guy, but I gave him a tone that as he progresses and gets more confident in his skills, he gets to sound a little bit more that. So that would develop a little bit. And then if there's like young people that grow old, Oberon, he definitely sounded a little different in the first few books. Um, it was a little more stilted and it was good. I loved it, mm -hmm. but I needed more range because he had so much to do. If I just every time did everything like this, right. when he's doing like pages of dialogue, it was just like, I was like, that doesn't work. So how can I give him more inflection and up and down? And then he can go really high. Or he can go really low. So to give him the range to be able to be articulate and convey a lot of different emotions. Uh, so fill it out a little bit. Right. Well, since we're talking about Oberon and the thing, you've got a little short story you do coming. You're, you just recently. Yeah, Jim, up. Jim Butcher and Penguin Random House is doing a um, collection with uh, he's editing as a bunch of different uh, fantastic uh, current authors. And there's a new Oberon and Atticus story in there by Kevin Hearn. It's really good and really fun. And it's a core Atticus and Oberon. So it's kind of like it takes place now in the series. Okay. It's not a prequel or anything like that. But it really is the kind of back to the grassroots of Oberon and Atticus on an adventure together. Okay. It was just a lot of fun. And I love short stories. I love, yeah. I love narrating them. I love listening to them. Um, I just like those kind of bites. It's about an hour long, but the whole book is much longer, obviously. And then there's all these different great talents on it. So that's a heroic. It was multiple uh, narrators. Yeah, a lot just... of different okay. great narrators or iconic ones that have their series and stuff like that. It's called Heroic Hearts by Penguin Random House. That should be coming out. It's on pre-sale now, and it should be out within like the next month or so. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that was fun to come back to. Anytime I can do... Oberon and Saber and he's so Kevin Hearn is like I feel like he's the unsung hero because his stuff is so funny like I could really not do anything and it would still right. play um so and he's so gracious about Oberon and his kind of fanatics and and all that and anytime I've done the most uh, signings and spent the most time with him personally and he is just every bit as intelligent funny and sweet as you would hope he is he's just a mensch you have some other books coming out as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I know it's a couple. I know there is the uh, Justin Leslie's Max Abaddon is coming out. The Crystal King. He just posted not long ago a little thing on on social media with some of the outtakes. Oh, did he? he yeah, did. he's so cool because he does the music stuff. He could actually like he's actually really talented. And he's so unassuming that, and so nice that you don't realize it because uh, uh, he just seems like a, a regular everyday guy you'd like to have a beer with. Right. Uh, but he's actually real like that music that he comes up with all on his own. Uh, it's different too. He, and he'll, he'll send me like five different samples 
all varying like one's house and one's like hard rock and he's like what do you think and i'm like dude and he has like a real job too yeah uh so so he's he's really cool and uh i i like that series i always try to promote it one because it's fun one because i really like justin and he's a relatively new author, uh, although he's been cranking stuff out. Right. And he and I work. He and I work together producing it, so we both get a cut of the books. So I'm very much invested when it's something that uh, we're doing that. And he's found a lot more success and has been gaining uh, audience for it. So yeah, Max Abaddon, and we're up to book five now. So there's a lot of you know I like people that like series want to know that oh if I buy and I like it is there going to be more? Uh, there's lots. There's lots. And so yeah, right. the Crystal King's the newest one. Should be out within a month, I'd say, but we'll we'll keep you tuned on that. That's that's going to be great. With the with the rate at which he is pumping them out, uh, how is that for your schedule? Because obviously that he's not the only one you're doing stuff for. So if you have like, do you have like a backlog? We're like, all right, I'm booked out for three months, and then you get, I got to get this other book out. Okay, I got to fit it in there somewhere. I have a secret weapon. Okay, and she is my wife. And she is the most amazing human being in the world. And she handles all the scheduling. Now, before I got married and before I had this person, it was a mess. Um, uh, uh, I am booked probably, you know, about a year out uh, at any given time um, with spaces that open up because things change in publishing industry. But for the most part, about a year out. But that's due solely to her incredible way to work the schedule. When I was handling it myself, I was either always, you know, late or there would be a gap between when I get the, the, the next script and when I can start it. And not always, but you know what I mean? It was such a struggle to handle that because it is such a difficult thing. I know at any given moment, I'm probably doing about 15 different series and some of them release five books in a year and some of them do a book every two years. Mm -hmm. So you don't always know what's coming down the road. So what's helped is I have several partners where we've said, okay, I can guarantee you four books for the year. Can you guarantee me four slots? And so I give them four slots for the year or another one that says we need to do one a month. Um, can you guarantee me that? And we've worked together so that we've started to build that kind of system uh, where there's always something in and out. And then I just try to stay on top of that and finish them in time. But it's all it's all due to uh, her administrative work and being able to know, is Luke going to actually accomplish this? Is this enough? Is it too much? Is it just enough? So we try to schedule out and I've been doing it long enough since it's all from home. Uh, knowing what my actual output is and how much I can bank on for a week, how much I could get done and not go crazy and those kind of things. It's taken a long time. That's the hardest part about the job is, right. is really being good with your schedule and being productive and having things line up so that when one project's done, you go right into the other and you just keep that ball rolling. When that happens, it's really sweet. And I'm kind of in that point right now. And I, I, it's such a nice place to be because everything's just clocking the way it should and tons of stuff's coming out. I mean, I've got, I'm doing about a book a week. I always have been, but it's just cranking. So I was it just, just means that there's that. always stuff. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you do where you like, you sit down and like, do you start one book and you don't, you don't move yeah. to, you just do the entire book all the way through and then you start a new book. The only time it'll change is if say, uh, so-and-so doesn't have the script ready. So I'll jump a book and start a little bit and then the script becomes ready i go back to the book that i'm supposed to do and then come back later and finish the one that's the only time and that happens really rarely uh but no i i i, I you kind of got to get it and get that role and get right. it done uh it's it would be really hard to do different books and i feel like you waste a lot of time going back and forth yeah definitely all right so you have a ton of books and i'm going to mention a few people we've had on here 
uh, and maybe you could just tell me a little bit about your their book, your relationship with the with the books and whatnot. And I'm going to start with one we mentioned we haven't mentioned yet is uh, oh I'm not going to say Scott Meyer. <clears throat> I, I, I called Meyer. him Scott Mayer when I introduced him, and, I, and he was like, "Nope, it's it's spelled that way, but it sound it's Meyer." And I was like, "Oh, I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I better say it right, Scott Meyer." And I screw their names up all the time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, especially when you're saying them in the in the. It, there's nothing worse than getting a notepad that. Oh yeah, in the credits you pronounced uh, Nazri Noor, Nazri Noor, and Nazri writes back and he's like, it's Naz, like nasty, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, I've, I've been there. Um, Scott is one of those ones that I got a book of his, the Magic 2.0 back early in my career. Mm-hmm. And it was another one that was like an Insta hit, like it felt like at least from my perspective, people just yeah. loved it. And I remember reading it and it was one of the few times where you're reading something. I can say this about Kevin's books too. And I go, this is like really good, isn't it? Like, this is really funny. Like I'm super clever. This is so, it like makes you feel. (laughs) And uh, I'm a personal, I love witty pun stuff. And he does that so well of, of little word plays and things like that, that just little turns of phrases. He's very uh, savvy with that. Um, So he's always been super generous and, uh, really kind about it and uh, sounds like an interesting guy too we've never met in person but uh, he does that uh, comic instructions mm-hmm. or instructions yeah um, and I know he does some stand-up and and it's just kind of a, a jack of all trades he is he definitely is what about your relationship with Justin how did you guys end up uh, coming together was it just like you uh, heard of it and you like hey I'm, I want to do your books or was did somebody else kind of connect you to he actually rescued me from Bahrain uh, when he was in his army days. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, he, he took a helicopter in. No, he's one of those guys who's got pretty good stories like that. So I wish it was cooler. He got uh, onto me through Hunter. Okay. Hunter and he knew each other. Hunter Blaine is another uh, series that I do uh, the Preternatural Chronicles for. And Hunter suggested he was pumping. Uh, J- Justin was starting his stuff and Hunter suggested me. And the thing that sets Justin apart is he's like, talks the talk and walks the walk and that he's like, I want to do this. And then he does all these things to follow through, like getting the sales up by working the um, promotion, by putting some money in. So we have really killer covers now. Um, So he's one of those guys that like is hungry and also really easy to hang out and talk to, which are sometimes don't always go together. He's very chill, but at the same time, he's very driven. And so for me, when I first saw that about him i was like yeah i'll take a chance and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely work on this because you're not just blowing smoke or it's not just kind of a sunday uh, uh drive for him uh he is really motivated and uh but also funny and creative and and cool and you kind of guy you want to hang out with so um so it was a good easy fit so we met through hunter and then i went down to uh after i'd done a few books for him i went down to florida for another book signing for a different author and we met and had dinner and it was real lovely and met his wife. And uh, and so we're planning on uh, going down and doing a convention, which I'll jump to now, as long as we're talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. Uh, uh, yeah, it's um, in September in St. Augustine, which is where Max Abaddon series takes place. And uh, what's the name of it again? It's Ancient City Con. Con. Ancient, Ancient City Con. Ancient City Con. We just decided to go there. So that'll be in person. So it'll be a good way to, to meet and greet. Ancient City Con in St. Augustine, Florida in September. 
uh, and with Justin. So it'll be kind of a Max and Justin and Luke special. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be really cool. Is there, so you have such a long, vast list, but we're talking about, you know, you got Wizard 2.0, which is wizard, kind of sci-fi-ish. You've got Mm -hmm. the, 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 the uplink squadron, which, Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got like military Max, sci-fi. Yeah, military sci-fi. You've got Max Abaddon, which is like urban fantasy, and Kevin Hearn. But then there are other books that you have, like a Nora Roberts that you've oh, done. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I knew early on. One, I get bored doing the same thing. Yeah. Two, this is a business for me, and I knew that the more buckets you have, the more the better. And uh, and so. I really wanted to do everything. Um, yeah. I've done romance. I've done, you know, erotica, gay erotica. It, it, I take basically anything if it's good, but also because I think that really challenges to do something differently like that. Lately, um, most of my schedule has been taken up by the lit RPGs, mm-hmm. but that's a recent addition. Like I'd say two to three years ago, I probably had like one lit RPG. Series and now I've got probably half a dozen to a dozen lit RPG series, so there's waves too. Um, and it, I, I always try to diversify like that. I, I got to really some of my favorite ones was I got to do some old writings of Jack Kerouac that got published, that wow. was super freaking cool. Um, uh, some, um, oh, the name's gonna, um, Roth uh a name just gone but yeah some classic writers that was really cool experience to get to actually do those um i've done some nonfiction. there's a one on investing that's real popular that uh, i did a while ago so all of it is a very informative way and it helps to diversify uh, as a business so i'll try to do anything that comes across if it's well written as long as it's not hurtful do you enjoy do you get time to enjoy the books and the stories while you're, while you're reading them or is it, is it work? And then yeah. afterwards you try and. It's work in that you have to do it. And there's times when you don't want to do it, but it's the best kind of work in that when I'm doing it, I'm engaged. I'm having a good time. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm very like um, focused. It's exhausting because of the level of focus to, right. to stay in it. Um, so I do enjoy it. I don't read for pleasure anymore which is the only sad part i just cannot get myself to pick up something and read it It, it, it's like i feel like a vampire in sunlight because (laughs) that is what i acquaint work with even though i want to i've stacked my dad just wrote a fantastic novel western novel that's getting a lot of praise i haven't read it that's like the most shameful thing in the world and I, he, he does not let me forget it, uh, as he shouldn't, but, uh, but yeah, I just can't get myself to, to read. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's the one, one drawback to it, but luckily what I am doing for work would be stuff I would read on my own. So it all kind of comes together. That's luckily. good. Yeah, that's good. You did a, uh, <laughs> a TikTok where you were showing your man cave studio. Yeah, dude. I love it, man. And it it's, is so cool. Is it. You've got so many, you've got some like superhero art on mm-hmm. the walls and you were playing Batman and the lighting is just amazing. Are you a big comic book fan? <laughs> yeah, always been uh, since I was a little kid. And I find the the room, because uh, we spend so much time in a small, this thing is a separate. So this is in the studio, but mm-hmm. this is the booth. The booth itself is a five by seven uh, cell. And then the actual studio out there is where I can spend time. But um I find it really inspiring 
Uh, comic books are like my Greek gods. You know okay. what I mean? I grew up with them. To me, I get super excited about it still. Um, uh, I will read comics uh, there because of the pictures. So that's right. a little bit more, uh, a little more accessible. But to me, they're very inspiring, especially when I'm working and you're doing these big, broad characters and sci-fi epics to have that kind of setup with lights and making it a little bit cinematic in my zone gets me into the headspace of a performance. And if I get too frustrated, I can look out the window and Batman standing over me and, and uh, go, okay, well, Batman can keep going. I can keep going. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And, and I, I just comics, the, the image and word, which both things I'm really attracted to have just always filled that niche, that scratch that I really like. Um, and they're just so expressive and the artwork is so great. So, yeah. Right. Well, that's going to bring me to my next question. Have you ever thought about, or have you had the opportunity to do any like animation narration? Um, no, I, I, one. It's a funny story. It hasn't been out yet, but uh, I got a random call from um, American Dad, uh, the casting director on that. And the guy who is the showrunner creator of American Dad uh, was a fan from uh, Aleron Kong's books okay. um, and had requested if I could do a voice on it. And we got it all worked out and I got to do two different uh, one-off characters in one episode just totally random um but i did that over a year ago and it still hasn't aired oh, wow. so either they've they've cut it or but they told me uh we do we we get all the recording a year before uh anything airs wow because it takes so long to animate and all that stuff so uh that was interesting but uh yeah that was just a, a one-off but it was really fun for me because that's super cool and funny stuff so yeah but we'll see i'll make a post if it does come out i'm you can go online and look it up. The, uh, the show is called the three F's on, okay. uh, American dad. Yeah. <laughs> three F's. So I play a, uh, uh, um, court bailiff and a computer video game announcer, which is why he used me because the book Aleron does, there's a video game announcer voice. So he, okay. he pulled that. So oh. really cool to do. Yeah, nice. Super cool. Is there anything yeah. you'd like to work on as far as like animations, uh yeah everything i mean i i like voice stuff i like character stuff i would love to do any of it uh video games or animation um uh the work with the audiobooks is is demanding and fulfilling enough that i don't really have time to go out and pursue that right. um you know it's something that if it comes to me then i can do it but i just don't have the uh, bandwidth to start a second kind of career in that yeah. zone the industries are very separate um, my number one thing that I've always wanted to done though, do, though, is any sort of Sesame Street or Muppet. Uh, if I could do anything like that, I, I would love it. I don't want to be the guy with his hand up the puppet, sweating on another guy who's up in his <laughs> armpit. I just want to do funny voices or come on and interact with Muppets. That's, right. that's what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. I, I love it. That would be, yeah, that would be my, my major bucket list goal. All right. Who would your Muppet, if you made your own Muppet, what would it be? Um, he'd probably be boothy and he, he probably is stuck in a box all the time. <laughs> and, and so when he comes out, he's like, he sees like light and he's like, Aah! and boothy goes back to his box. He's like, <laughs> yeah, boothy. Oh. Everyone's like, just boothy, go back to your booth. Oh, boothy. So my original, my other question was going to be going back to the comic books. <laughs> like, we're just going to skip over boothy in his, in his box. If you... If you could pick one 
superhero to voice? Who do you think you would pair up with or who would you, who would you prefer to do? That's a great question, man. I like that. That makes me think. Um, I think there's iconic ones that I would love to do just because they're my favorite. Like Spider-Man is the most, the one I, you know, grew up with earliest that it made the first impression on me. So doing that would be great, but I don't think I have the, I wouldn't cast myself as Spider-Man, right. obviously I'm a little older and stuff. Um, uh, Batman is so fun because he's so dark and angry and you really get to do that kind of pathos, which would be so fun. Um, uh, and then, but I also really like the quippy stuff. So like a green lantern or, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, I wouldn't want to touch Iron Man because everything's right. just RDJ. In fact, I know <laughs> the guy who does the RDJ voice for, uh, what if when they had Iron oh, wow. Man on it, it wasn't Robert Downey Jr. Uh, it was this other incredible actor, Mick Wingert. Uh, he does the Jack Black impression for the uh um what's that kung fu panda show oh okay so he he's incredible nicest guy in the world but yeah when he got that i was like that's like you got some big cojones man and he did it and nailed it it was great it was it didn't it wasn't like a you know it just sounded natural but sounded like robert downey jr so uh that kind of thing is is cool but yeah i do uh maybe a green lantern or batman let's answer that long right long way round awesome uh tell us about your uh you do a lot of landscaping outdoor stuff you got some <laughs> some instagram you're out there planting plants and i love i love yard work i uh, we're yes. putting we're putting in a chicken coop this summer and i was like this is you know i'm oh. all over it and uh so when i saw you doing that it's like well that's kind of cool to see some of that stuff what are some of your like it. your projects this year you you're expecting to do you know obviously it's- oh i love it man uh well Again, it's you can't get any more different than sitting in a box and going out. So for me, it was sprung out of I've always liked outdoors and doing stuff outdoors, but it was never really something that I've done for a lot. It was just in the last few years that I was like, I need some way to get outside, be outside. I'm not a big like go for a jog guy or that kind of thing, but I love manual labor and, and, and digging holes. So my favorite thing to do is dig rocks up. Okay. <laughs> it's like the most labor intensive stupidest thing in the world but i love it because i have some property i can just go out and find these beautiful michigan field stones dig them up and then put them in random places and people are like oh look at your beautiful rocks and i'm like yeah that was free (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then i've been doing a lot of planting uh developing a garden uh, around the house uh, so with some perennials and then my big favorite thing is um evergreens because in michigan it still gives you some color uh during the uh, during the winter so i've created kind of an evergreen small one shrubs spiral ones those kind of things like a little thing and i'd like to eventually do some sort of maze labyrinth pond type thing but uh i really need uh, a digger and uh, right. uh i i gotta buy that but the the federal government wants their taxes first so we gotta wait yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> Then you but I love it. Koi pond. Get, a, get a koi pond. Yeah, koi. I don't know what to do about the pond because, like, you're in Minnesota. We have such long winters. I'm like, is this just going to become like this? One, is it going to be frozen most of the year? And then in the summer, is it just going to be a vat of mosquito, uh, uh, bat, you know, a place for mosquitoes to hang? Well, out let me place. tell you, I know a guy that has a koi pond that can give you all the information you need. For reals for yeah. reals oh you yep, i got all seven right. of them so yeah if you that's the oh. way i brought it up because i was like i got a koi pond he could have a over, pond. they overwinter does it just freeze can, over yeah. and they're fine you can't oh, it's um wow. gotta have well, we'll talk about that and yeah we can talk more about that when we are off 
off the uh, off yeah, the air. So. My my nephew has uh, asked my brother, my his dad, for a koi pond, and my brother has said, "Well, you know, your uncle Luke's really into that, so he's been calling me saying I need to build a koi pond." And and yeah, so that I could score some points with the nephew, that'd be cool. There we go. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> you were all over social media. You were, or and when I say you, as you've told me before your wife is all over social media as you uh, on Twitter at lucky Luke E K U L, which is Luke backwards. So lucky Luke, then backwards, Luke. You're on Facebook at backslash Luke Daniels audio, Instagram, Luke Daniels audio, uh, Luke dash Daniels.com. And you're on yeah. TikTok at Luke Daniels audio. Did yeah. I get it all yeah. right? Yeah, it's right there. It's right you there. Just looked, yeah. Yeah. And that's a gorgeous um, shirt. By yeah. Way. I thank you very much. We have some uh, merch, but we've kind of got to get it, uh, get the supply back up. But my, I'm very lucky with those. Uh, she is the one that helps navigate uh, social media and trends. I also have uh, teenagers. And so they're the litmus test as well. Uh, in fact, my wife earlier today asked the 15 year old, what's Twitch? And, uh, and he, of course, is like, oh, why do you need to know that? And, and she's like, well, Luke's going to do a, a, a thing on it. He's like, really? Oh. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm cool now. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they keep us uh, fresh and uh, what's on the hip stuff. So, yeah, the social media, check those out if you want. There's some fun stuff on there. Awesome, awesome. And, of course, people can find you at Ancient City Con in St. Augustine yeah, in, in September. In person. Maybe get some autographs and, and yep. pay him 30 bucks to do the – Oberon voice. No, I'm just kidding. We'll have a we'll have a thing. No, what I do with the things is, if you have your phone ready, I'll gladly record anything you want, uh, as long as it's not uh, uh, disrespectful, obviously. But if yeah. you have your phone when you come up, I'm happy to. If you want me to do your outgoing voice message or uh, any of that, no cost. Uh, that's fun stuff for me. So, uh, or say hi to Pat or do that kind of thing. Yeah, those are really those are my favorite thing uh, to, to actually do. We have fun with those. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been great having you on here and I appreciate your time. Uh, so thank you for stopping in. And thank you for having me. Everybody that's listening to the show, I want to let you know who's coming up. We've got, uh, that is an old, old sheet of paper there. <laughs> May 2nd, we'll be joined by author Rhiannon Held, also known as R.Z. Held, author of the Silver Series, Amsterdam Series, and has been featured in multiple anthologies. May 16th, we'll be joined by New York Times bestselling author and award-winning game designer Matt Forbeck, most known for his tie-in fiction such as Halo, D&D, and Warhammer, and he's very well known for his Marvel Encyclopedia, as well as his work on games such as Deadlands, Wildstorms, Brave New World, and the Lord of Rings RPG. He's also currently working on the new Marvel RPG system, so that'll be May 16th. May 30th, just signed up today. Aaron Evans is a D&D novelist and content crea creator for the popular Idol Champions game. Her books include the Brimstone Angels saga and Ep Empire of Exiles. Easy for me to say. She can also be found on the Dungeon Scrollers Twitch stand channel. So make sure to join us live for these shows uh, or listen to them on the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and write and review. This helps us get more eyes on us and more eyes on our guests, which is most important. So for Luke Daniels, I am Nick, and I want to thank you all for listening to Epic Realms. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I do hope that you come back and join us again. 
for Epic Realms. Thank you.